Hey, this is Pastor Spencer with Racine Bible Church. You're listening to a sermon from a Sunday morning. Thanks, Wayne. And uh, when the fear of God is uh, rightly understood and preached the way Wayne just did, you can't, you can't separate the fear of God from the love of God, right? And we heard that uh, this morning. I'd invite you to open to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians uh, chapter 3. And as you turn to Ephesians 3, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, when you think about 2023, the year in front of us, do you imagine that you will face any trials or difficulties this year? Oh, right, right. Uh, do you want to face those difficulties in a way, um, in a way that shows triumph and strength through those trials? Do you want to experience the power of God in your life in 2023? Do you want to be able to, to conquer sin, resist temptation? Do you hope to make strides in your Christian life this year? Do you want to see the fruit of the Spirit being manifested in your life? Do you want to be able to say your faith is stronger on January 8th, 2024 than it is today? Well, this is what the Apostle Paul wanted to see in the Ephesians. He wanted to see strength. He wanted to see the power of God. He wanted to see Christ at work in them. And so he's going to pray for them in Ephesians chapter 3. And in, a, in his prayer, what we come to see is that the love of Christ is what is key to spiritual strength and spiritual power. Look at verse 14. Paul's about to pray, and he says, for this reason. Now, for this reason goes back, and what it goes back to is chapter 2. And so just real briefly, I want to look at the first few verses of Ephesians chapter 2. These are famous verses. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body in the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Here's, here's a verse, starting with the word but, right? Wayne just pointed out. But God, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So there's a reason why Paul's praying. That reason is the love of God. The way God has loved these believers. He has taken them from being dead in their sins to giving them life in Christ. He's taken them from being apart from him to being, becoming part of his family. He's forgiven their sins. He's reconciled them to him. And that's causing Paul to pray. 3.14, for this reason, I bow my knees. Let's read these verses here. Verse 14, for this reason, because of the love of God for you, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We'll stop right there. Think back to those questions I asked you earlier about this year. 
And Paul is praying for the same thing that we're saying we want this year. This is what the, the believers in the first century wanted. They wanted to be strengthened, verse 16. Paul wanted them to be strengthened. He wanted them, them to experience the power of God in their lives. He wanted them to see the Holy Spirit at work in them. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. Paul's not saying here there's some believers there who don't have the Holy Spirit. That's not what he's saying. Every believer has the Holy Spirit present. What he is saying, though, is he wants them to experience the presence of Christ in their lives, strengthening them, changing them, giving them power over sin. This is what he's praying for them, that Christ would be at work in them, and this is what we want in our lives. So the question is how? How does this happen? Well, that's where the prayer continues. Verse 17, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The key to all of this is love. The key to all of it is love and not your love for God. That is a fruit of the Christian life. It is his love for you is what Paul is saying is going to be what produces this kind of strength and this kind of uh, spiritual power in your life. He uses a couple of terms there in verse 17. You see those terms are rooted. It's an agricultural term. You know, in a tree, uh, the branches of the tree won't grow out further than the roots have gone out, right? The branches aren't going to go any further out than the roots go out. You're not going to progress in your Christian life in obedience and faithfulness and witness beyond your grasp of the love of God for you in Christ. He uses another term there, grounded. That's a construction term. We're talking about the foundation you know when you drive uh, past Chicago and you see those skyscrapers? What you don't see, of course, is the foundation. Those, those buildings go hundreds of feet in the air and so, many of them go down several hundred feet as well into the bedrock. There's a foundation there. And Paul's point here is that a Christian is not going to progress in his own spiritual life beyond his comprehension and understanding of the love of God for him in Christ. You cannot progress in your spiritual life beyond your comprehension and your grasp of the love of God for you in Christ. And what a love it is. Look, look again at verse 18. Look at these terms he uses, these geometrical terms, breadth and length and height and depth point is how expansive the love of Christ for you is. It's too, too big to be measured. One commentator says of the love of Christ, it's wide enough to reach the whole world and beyond. It's long enough to stretch from eternity to eternity. It's high enough to raise both Gentiles and Jews to heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And it's deep enough to rescue people 
from sin's degradation and even from the grip of Satan himself. And it's our grasp, it's our belief, it's our understanding of the love of Christ that motivates us. And Paul knows that what he's praying for is actually impossible. Look at again at verse 19. He prays that we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He prays that you would know what cannot be known. And he's not saying that trying to understand the love of Christ is futile. That's not what he's saying. He's, he's encouraging us to meditate on the love of Christ, this love that is so vast and so deep and so strong that you're never going to be able to fully comprehend it. And, and this is more than a doctrinal exercise, right? It's important that our understanding of the love of God is informed by Scripture. It needs to be theologically accurate. But we, you, you cannot check off on a theological quiz and say you understand the love of God in Christ. It has to be experienced in your soul through, through joys and sorrows and sufferings and trials. This is how we come to grasp the love of God in Christ. Our culture doesn't understand the love of God. A loving God to the world is, frankly, a, a cosmic Santa Claus, right? Paul is saying the love of God for you in Christ. You must know, you must believe, you must hold on to, and this is what will motivate your Christian life. The love of God has no bounds. And so this search, this, this, this desire to seek out the love of God will have no end. Paul, uh, Wayne quoted from Romans chapter 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, sword? I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And even in eternity, we're never going to be able to fully grasp the love of God for us in Christ because our minds are finite and we cannot grasp what is infinite. We'll never get to the point where like, I've, I've mastered that. I got the love of Christ. I understand it fully. We'll never get there. There will always be more depth to it. There will be more facets to it. There's more beauty in it. And, and actually, I think that's going to be one of the blessings of heaven, right? How about millennia upon millennia to keep learning about the love of Christ and keep grasping the love of Christ? And notice the result of this pursuit of the knowledge of the love of Christ. Look at verse 19. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. To comprehend God's love for you is to become like him in his character. The most direct path, maybe we just say the only path between where you are right now and Christ-likeness is grasping the love of God for you in Christ. And so I want to conclude this morning with a, a simple application. 
And that application is to marvel, to be in awe, to worship. Wayne showed us that our God is a God to be feared. His holiness is white hot. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He's a consuming fire. He has no rivals. He has no competition. His judgment is terrible and fearsome. If you've ever wondered at the terror of falling into the hands of an angry God, go back to what Wayne just said about Jesus on the cross. What a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And I'm sure that there are some here this morning within the sound of my voice who have not received Christ. I've no doubt that some of you have not yet confessed your sin. You've not yet bowed your knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're still running your own life. He's not your Lord. And your sin remains on you. And if you refuse to turn to Christ, your sin will be the cause of unending pain for you in eternity. That is what the Bible clearly teaches. But I know there are also many of you here this morning who have bowed your knee to Christ. Jesus is your Savior. And yet, you're tempted to doubt the love of God for you. And your spiritual growth is hindered by the insecurity that maybe you aren't good enough for God. You haven't done enough. You have too much sin, not enough spiritual fruit. And I just want to tell you that that's true. That's true. You have too much sin, and you haven't done enough. But as one pastor said, cheer up. You're a worse sinner than you ever dared imagine, and you're more loved than you ever dared hope. That's the gospel. And if you ever wonder about the love of God for you, Christian, Christian, if you ever wonder about the love of God for you, then consider the cross. How much must God the Father love you to give his son into that misery? And how much must the son love you to be willing to endure that misery? Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood, when the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. Who his love will not remember? Who can cease to sing his praise? He can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. On the mount of crucifixion, fountains opened deep and wide. Through the floodgates of God's mercy flowed a vast and gracious tide. Grace and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above. And heaven's peace, and heaven's peace, and perfect justice. Heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love. The Apostle Paul was motivated by the fear of God and by the love of Christ. And may the same be true for us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, our heads are bowed before you this morning. We humble ourselves before you because you are a great and majestic 
and holy God. You sit on the throne of the universe and all of creation trembles before you. When we comprehend your holiness, your perfection, your justice, your wrath, we fear you. We fear your name and we tremble before you. And yet we have dared to call you Father because you have condescended to love us. You have loved us beyond what we could hope or imagine. You have loved sinners like us so much that you've given what is most precious to you in order to redeem us from our slavery to sin and to bring us into your family. Father, teach us to fear you. For we know in the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Lord, teach us to delight in your love for us. For we know that it's when we comprehend, when we grasp, when we believe in the love that you have for us in Christ, that we'll be strengthened and we'll grow into the image of our Savior. So do this work in us, we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. To find out more about our ministry, contact us at racinebible.org. Thank you for listening.